Darmstadt on Air number three. Poem producer meets DigiPoet. Antje Greiripati in conversation with Yatta. Hello and thank you for joining Darmstadt on Air, our new series of conversations on music and experiment. My name is Thomas Schäfer from the Darmstadt Summer Course team and I welcome you to this podcast. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we had to postpone the Darmstadt Summer Course from this year to summer 2021. In the time between... We'd like to continue the discussions on music that Darmstadt is so connected with. We've invited some of our academy tutors and guest artists to have a conversation on a subject that is important to them. They choose their dialogue partner and share the recording with our community. This edition is hosted by the East German electronic musician and composer Antje Greieripati, now living in northern Finland and also known as Poem Producer or AGF. She chatted with Jatta a Los Angeles, Brooklyn-based, interdisciplinary artist. Yatta has shared the stage with musicians like Cardi B, William Basinski and the Sunra Orchestra. Improvised poetry is an important aspect in Yatta's drone-based performances on stage and on recordings. Antje and Yatta met for the first time some years ago when they had both been invited to a festival curated by Moormother. In this podcast, they talk about white nights in Finland and the Black Lives Matter movement in the US, about transphobia and digi-poetry. Enjoy listening. I'm recording. I'm recording too. Great. So, thank you so much for getting up this early. <laughs> We're in very different time zones. Yeah. Nice My to pleasure. see you. Yeah. So nice to see you again. We saw maybe two years ago. Yes. Or one and a half or Cambridge. something. Yeah. So you're in LA right now, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm in oh. northern Finland, like almost Arctic. How many hours? It's 10 hours. Difference. Yeah, it's almost the farthest you can be, <laughs> you know, awake at the same time. Yeah, we made a good time then. Yeah, it's perfect. You, you just had released Solar, this little project which I loved. Oh, thank you. Yeah, because, you know, we have white nights here. You know what that is? Like, it's not getting dark. Mm. And um, it was really so fitting to sit at night. Everything's light and everything's quiet and it's night, but it's light. And then listen to your this record. It's quite... It's, wow. It's quite magic actually yeah i'm so grateful to hear the setting that makes me almost want to cry that people that just to hear you listening with such presence is yeah an honor 
Yeah, there was one night I was alone and I was I could just really play it loud and long and often. And it was yeah. this it was two AM and complete you know, this this subtle sun was there. It was quite nice. Yeah. Wow. Why did you how did you come up with this? It felt very different from the other spaces that I've made music from in that I was thinking about the current uprisings after people sort of were waking up to the police violence and black killings that happen all the time. Um, And I think there's something about the pandemic that made it so that people were more present and able to have the mental space and time space to speak up. And I was thinking I had been doing a lot of Reiki for people, distance Reiki, because of this, the pandemic. And also I was at the time a part of a collective of people doing Reiki and tarot readings. And so in doing Reiki for myself, I was noticing a fire in my solar plexus. And solar is solar plexus is the space of confidence and self-assuredness and um, conviction. And I think that that was lighting up in reaction to all of the fire that I saw coming up within black people all over the world. So then I was like, okay, I usually don't enter things with a pure intention of healing a specific Um, space but what is it like for me to go in with that intention and go in with the the intention of protection and so that's the intention that I went into this the song with and then I just let whatever come out come out and I was thinking a lot about the sun and because I was spending so much time in nature that felt like the best way for me to recharge so I wanted to make a recharge song. Yeah, it's t- you totally did. Thanks. Yeah, it is comforting, totally. And um, do you know Eliane Radique? I don't. The composer, don't. the French composer? She's doing a very spiritual, minimal... Or she used to do in the 60s, like synth-based, synthesizer-based. Now she's working with orchestras and, and, and acoustic instruments but she's now 86 and her music is also very you have to listen to it it's it's really something um yours is richer but like i felt the similar thing of of um spiritual freedom or something i don't know you know 
when we met first time a while ago, I, I was stunned that we both had a similar description of who we who we are and what we do. Like, you know, what what are you? Who are you? Like, tell me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I was calling. I'm calling myself poem producer or digital songwriter. And I saw in your bio you call yourself Diggy poet, and I was like, oh my god. This is, yeah. what's that? And so yeah. then we met and then we, we kind of also click quite, quite right away. So Definitely. T- tell maybe the listener quickly what you do. Um, so my name is Ricky. My music project is Yata. Um, I started off making um, digital poetry, kind of like visual collage. I started to work with sound and using a voice processor to make different characters and different textures and overlapping sounds and started to use Ableton to compose in ways that felt listenable to me. Um, And I guess the digital part in the music came from feeling uh, bigger in myself by using um, a vocal processor because I was able to make different voices and embody different selves through it. And so, and I think switching through the different um, settings, yeah, it feels like writing poetry with um, the different ways that my voice can sound. And so I guess that's how I came to DigiPoet. Um, And I I almost feel like I began using it before I made the music. So it feels, it was like predictive. And then, yeah, when I met you, um, I had... When I saw the the lineup for the the festival, um, Weising, I, I I went on your website and I was like, wow, someone has been doing this for so long. I can't believe it. Um, and then seeing you play with so much joy and like presence and the way that it flowed. I felt like I was a part of something. Um, Aww. Yeah, yeah because, because you have a legacy. And so. Well, it's interesting what you're saying about the voice because I think also all methods of composition, in, in I also derive them from language and from voice. Even I'm not even at times using voice or language at all. I'm making everything. You know, there's more noise music or beat music, post-beat music or something. But still, my complete understanding of harmony and rhythm and, and I guess also resonance and acoustics is derived from voice. So it's, I think this is where we're quite also similar, yeah? And then coming in with different ways of using text and, and effects and stuff and deconstruction of, of that, Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, first of all, congratulations to the new More Mother collaboration. That's amazing also. I was like shook when the record came out. I was, you know, <laughs> online and suddenly I saw that tweet and I was like, what the fuck? Like, oh my God. I went immediately and listened and bought it. And I was like so psyched. I mean, I'm a huge fan. And this is also how we met through More Mother. Yes. She invited us to the festival. And uh, that was kind of nice. And um, yeah, congratulations. Great that Thank you guys you. made something together. It's so I want to talk to you about um, the song Plaque Various or Various of Our Dreams. Like that, like that stu stood out to me especially in the context of what I'm currently working on. So basically transforming from, you know, my quite long music releasing practice of doing, um, experimenting with language and sound and currently being really interested in political and act activist sound or what can sound be actually useful in activism and how and how do people use it and I'm looking really into expanding that kind of knowledge and also practice and also highlight that kind of works because sometimes to me these works are not as appreciated in my in my uh, perception let's say And I've started this platform called Recon, um, like Recon, um, Recon.org. And I'm planning to highlight artists who explicitly work political act as, uh, in political activism with sound. And um, so I would like to talk about that angle of our work today, because thinking about how that process works like um, you know the positioning how does it transfer into sound even when there's no language or there is language or there is found sound or recordings and how does it go into composition and that kind of process and I was thinking to ask you specifically about that song so I think we came into it actually thinking about dreams and um thinking about ancestral communication. And so um, I think more so like history um, informing the present rather than reflecting on the present directly. So I almost, I think that we both just tapped into like the past and just brought it forward. Um, and I think that it's almost like, I feel like she's really good at bringing forward the his like the history of the past in with words and with names of people, like one of the songs, Henrietta Lacks, um, 
who was a black woman that was experimented on um, to find out about um, DNA and cells and this didn't come out until much later. Bringing, bringing forward names that can be forgotten. And I think that I'm wanting to be more explicit. You want? Um, I want to. I want to be more direct. I want to be more specific. Um, because I think that it's almost like I've started off really wide and just receiving whatever, like spiritual messages that come through but I I want to funnel it and I want it to be I want I want it to be crystallized in words and in yeah in words rather than feeling I call this now feminist sonic technologies on my new platform because I think it is some sort of technology just by naming that person, naming a track after her, what that means, her being entered into this massive distribution system of digital music. She's gonna this name will be on the whole you know, everywhere, on every platform of this planet, in every country, in every ether. She is basically no, I don't want to go too far. It's it's horribly tragic, all these forgotten victims and actually I spent all day working on a database entering killed and murdered and assassinated activist women from all over the world for a project. It's just insane to like do that, you know, like yeah. insisting on remembering. This is something I, I really find powerful tool for composition as well, you know, like, like it comp it's a composition tool. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, that the fact that so many activists are murdered and assassinated gives me a lot of paranoia and anxiety. I'm not surprised. I mean, of course. Yeah. You, you are under concrete threat. Yeah. I mean, it's not a paranoia. It's a, it's, it's a systemic threat. Yeah. I mean... And I think that can make it difficult for me to be brave enough to be direct. I'd say in my personal experience, it is harder to be direct and still mm -hmm. be 
get people to listen. You know? Yeah. I guess it's easier to be not direct in a way. But also it is easier for us too. As you say, it protects us, potentially heals us, serves us in different ways. And I mean, your music is, you said you're coming from healing. You're coming from a comfort zone. So it is quite interesting how also that play works because it can be also very comforting to finally hear mm -hmm. someone say the brutalist truth ever, you know. I refuse to be in the madhouse. The madhouse of Human. Maybe you could explain a little bit what's going on, where you're at, how it's for you and how it affects your work and maybe your process or something. Yeah, um, I think the two things that come to mind are the coronavirus and Black Lives Matter uprising or resurgence. Um, I think the coronavirus has obviously put a lot of people out of work, has affected black people the most, and other marginalized people, poor people, um, who have to go to work and are the people in, that have to work at grocery stores, work in hospitals, work in transportation. Those people are often black people. Um, other non-white people. And so, yeah, I think there's that paired with Black Lives Matter movement where black people are getting killed by the police very often and only every now and then do people see those things because of iPhone recordings and I think part of what has made people more present to this issue is the fact that people are out of work and, yeah, like I said, have the time and space to engage. And I think as more people engage, there's less fear because it's not just a few people crying out for change. It's a collective exhaustion with what's going on. A collective exhaustion to be specific with how black people are treated in, in the US and how black people are seen as not human and how black people are 
have always had to be subservient and deal with frustration and not say anything. Um, yeah, I was speaking to a friend yesterday who, and, and also now, um, I mean, there, there's so many things. There's, there's immigrant, immigrant children being in detention centers, um, with the coronavirus, um, there's human trafficking happening from those centers, specifically with children. Um, and there's, yeah, there's a threat on, on immigrants staying in the country. So, yeah, there's just a convergence of so many things happening. Um, and also, black trans women being killed all the time because of transphobia and fear and also people being disgusted by their own desire. Um, so I think people, I think social media has educated a lot of people and has politicized a lot of people and has made it so that people feel less alone and feeling done with it. Um, yeah, I, and I, I don't know how far things will go in terms of the resistance and speaking on exhaustion and speaking on pain and death but it doesn't feel like it's going to stop. It feels like the floodgates have opened and it's just not going to go back to any sense of hiding, which is a little bit relieving and also frustrating because I think specifically with work, so many people haven't even had the opportunity to begin to think, to question what's holding them down or making them fearful of their losing their lives. Um, and a lot of people still don't have that time. But I think just the work culture in the U.S. is really a good way for people to be controlled and not have the mental energy or space to recognize and speak on their own oppression. Yeah, it's almost like another enslavement. Mm -hmm. Like an enslavement of an enslavement. And, you know, you're just running for your next paycheck. Yeah. yeah, you know, I grew up in communist and under realist socialism, and I, I I grew up under no pressure to make money. It's quite it's quite a difference. I, I know how it is. You don't have anything. There's no things. You cannot buy anything. But you're not stressing about. Yeah, it's really fun. 
<laughs> it was so weird to enter capitalism. Yeah. yeah, very weird. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty distorted. distorted. And everyone and wants, think, wanted it so bad. Like basically yeah. my entire, my family died. Like many of them died in the last, I don't know, 20 years. Like, you know, hardcore communists who didn't see this new, uh, I don't know, youth coming back and saying, oh, we actually want socialism or we want to, you know, think about comments or stuff like that. And my my dad, for example, my grandmother and my f grandfather, they died and they didn't see that. They felt defeated, you know. I was uh, interested in what you said about um, transphobia and, you know, like even a, more, a deeper layer of 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 oppression or or you know, possible attacks. Is this affecting you personally, also in your work, or how do you feel about that? How do you express this in your work at all? For me, it's a constant grappling because I don't know that any sort of gender fluidity makes me more at risk than being black. I think that takes precedent over everything. And I think that would be different if I was a trans woman because I think I can be read just as a woman, even though I feel more fluid than that. Um, so it's usually just hard to tell what's going on if I'm experiencing any resistance. It often feels more like racism than any sort of gender oppression. Um, yeah. You know, as a German, we have such a horrible history. It's so bad that, it, like, we're the worst. Like, and every German knows that, you know, at least that's what I think. I mean, basically lifting of these horrible, I don't know, hidden things in your brain or yeah. understanding. I think I'm hoping that there's more of an emphasis of investigating whiteness because I feel like it's more so always talking about blackness or any other identity that's not whiteness. So what makes up whiteness? How does whiteness happen? How does it continue, you know? 
So absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's really f fresh. I mean, most people have not even begun to look at that. Like, you know, I, even I look at two at discussions in academic circles who are really high level, and then some guy says something <laughs> completely racist out of the blue, and I'm like, just what the fuck? It's it's a, it's it's sad. It's shocking. But yeah, this is absolutely. I agree with you. It's time. Yeah. To talk about whiteness, and uh, of course, be in solidarity with what's going on otherwise, yeah. and struggle and stuff. And uh, do you want to say something else? Do you want something people to know about you as a trans sticky poet, musician, skeptic seer? I guess. What am I now? I feel like. I'm kind of in self-preservation mode. Um, so more in, inwards and releasing and making what I need and hoping that that can help other people. And also wondering what I do outside of music because I think that informs or makes music richer to have a present and deep life outside of music. Stay in bed. The dead weights you get when you're depressed are so that you can walk slower and look at people in the eye for a while so that maybe, just maybe, you can tell their stories too. Tell their stories too. The bliss of mania. Is being drunk on the end. Maybe you can tell their story. The dead wings you get when you're depressed are so that you can walk slower and look at people in the eye for all their stories. If you told my story, I'd be pretty happy. Feels good when I drink coffee and run around in circles. Winning, 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 winning.